0: Welcome, you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and while I am an attorney... The buzz-off show is not legal advice. Instead, it's a weekly look at all the buzz surrounding Internet of Things, drones, autonomous vehicles, and all the technology in between. Coming to you each Wednesday on AmericasWebRadio.com from 2 to 3 Eastern in the afternoon. Or find the Lawyer Liz podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, your favorite podcast streaming service. And up this week, we have Privacy, we have Apple, iPhones, and don't panic just yet over small business security. We'll have Derek Carp, a serial entrepreneur and startup businessman himself, coming to talk and share some ideas on Really some easy, simple, low-hanging fruit that small businesses can take into account when protecting or setting up their security systems. But first, getting straight into some of the coolest news. If you've been watching the World Series, then you saw Ms. Haley Dawson, a seven-year-old with a 3D printed hand, uh, throw out the first pitch in game four. So way to go, Haley, uh, born with missing three fingers on one of her hands with her 3D printed hand. She was, she has really overcome a lot of obstacles and like I said, way to go, Haley. Uber's catching up with the times in that you can now have multiple stops on your Uber ride which you know sometimes when you're just craving McDonald's getting the driver to stop at McDonald's on the way home well now you can in addition to you know multiple multiple people picking up dropping off joining the ride all of that well In exciting iPhone, Apple world, iPhone X has made its debut. And one of the things that is facing it or faces a bunch of scrutiny, pun intended, is the face ID and really the facial recognition. What is Apple doing with that data and that information? And uh, scrutiny is coming to see, is it selling the data? Is it, how is it marketing that information? If you have ever played around with your photo settings on your iPhone, you can do a search. All your photos are being categorized uh, through Apple's software. And so uh, I was happy to note some of the categories where I did have pictures and didn't really pick up on some of the other things that I had. Uh, I will point out Apple is still missing a category for champagne that when I hit that search term it just didn't exist. But it'll be interesting to see how that continues with the iPhone X. Alexa, on the other hand, uh, now can answer all of your credit score and credit-related questions. They've paired up with Experian. And considering all the issues with Equifax and everybody else with breaches and what's happening to that information, that is one thing that may be a bust, maybe a must, but still remains to be seen is what's going to happen with Alexa and, and Experian now that your credit information can be just as easily accessed. Another thing that can be easily accessed and definitely gets a bust is Amazon has announced their Amazon Key exclusively for Prime members. And really the key service uh, is a way to basically Amazon will have a lock on your door, and you can, through the app, unlock the door or have deliveries made within your actual home, where Amazon will unlock your door using its smart lock and cloud cam plus the app, and also permit you to let others come into the house dog walkers uh other friends family children have locked themselves out well the problem you'll find with that is well what happens if you know liability wise packages are being delivered and perhaps you didn't intend for you know What happens if something goes missing? What happens if, well, hackers, nefarious individuals get a hold of your door key? I mean, part of this uh, package from Amazon includes getting, you know, putting a new lock on your door. So what happens if. Power goes out. What happens if there's a glitch? Nefarious folks want to lock you out. As the BuzzOff show has talked about before, well, when a garage tour company can lock someone out of their garage, what happens when Amazon locks you out of your home? And... What happens if they let the wrong person in? You have a break-in. What kind of liability and risk will fall ensue from that? Well, still remains to be seen, and uh, really just a big fat no at the moment. But again, we'll see how that goes. Uh, speaking of though, when you get and start talking about. Uh, Letting secrets out of the bag, uh, Apple fired one of their iPhone engineers after his daughter posted a viral video of her playing around uh, with an iPhone 10, iPhone X. Well, she posted her video on October 28th, and within a matter of days had. Three and a half million views on YouTube. Her Instagram post, which was subsequently deleted, uh, similar, similar attention. And Apple, known for its security and wanting to keep things private until it's ready to release it. Well, not so lucky for her father. He was subsequently fired. So, yeah. I'd say she's probably grounded at this point and probably not or no longer playing with her iPhone 10. One thing when we start talking about privacy and security uh, that has been kind of a mainstay of, if you wanted to find out who owns or who has registered a website you could go to who is look it up and you'd get the at least the name email phone number that kind of information for whomever registered the url register the website well in the early stages the uh, europe's gdpr the privacy regulations that are set to take effect in may of 2018 well they've claimed perhaps their first victim in that who is when you register the website collects that information your name address url uh, or excuse me email and phone number and it's not really optional You provide that information and it gets published so that, again, anyone can look up the uh, website and find that. Well, there's a little bit of a problem in that that violates GDPR and that it doesn't have that express consent for the publication. And so two of the domain providers are refusing to comply with the terms of service for ICANN, the agency that's overseas all this and well what happens when everybody's not going to play along so fasten your seatbelt that's going to be interesting and really see force some updates to perhaps some of these policies another update to policies for something that has moved slowly is in the drone world in the US the White House and uh, Treasury. Excuse me. Transportation secretary recently announced some new pilot programs where entities, uh, local, state, municipal governments, can partner up and both within with each other as well as with private sector, and apply to become uh, test beds or test out some of these innovations with drones and the integration, be it drone detection, be it. Uh, Different operations over people, different things like that. They can apply and be on participate in this program. If you haven't heard or had an opportunity to find out more information, obviously go to faa.gov and see what all the fun is. There's 180 days since or from the release of the announcement for state and local governments and these private partnerships to apply to participate in the program. So expect a little bit more of a flurry from that. And as all the buzz about the different privacy and safety and different breaches tend to be hitting the airwaves lately, and especially when you talk about uh, different hacks, it's not time to panic just yet. That while liability for different companies and as you're purchasing more and more of the iot devices well derek harp who will be joining us in the next segment has really started taking a look at some of the things you can do and have your incident response plans in place and take some of the terror so to speak out of these out of the planning stages of this is every time we turn around, there's another botnet or some phishing scheme that uh, is getting different information and exposing records and uh, information from companies. Well, again, there's a lot to take in. And when you're a small business, it's particularly hard. So we're excited to talk to Derek and Get his insights from over 20 years in the technology industry and as a startup businessman himself. Well, we will jump to our first commercial break, but you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on AmericasWebRadio.com.
1: Field books. There is a difference, and the difference is made in the USA. USA by family-owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire. For over 38 years, the family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier, Bogside Publishing Field Books.
2: Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. You can rest assured, knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org. Or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're
3: listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
0: And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Coming to you this Wednesday and in podcast world. And as I hinted before the break, what do you do when you have a serial entrepreneur with 20 years under his belt and complicated issues that he has a knack for breaking down? Well, of course, you invite Derek Carp to join the show and kind of demystify some of the phishing and other, let's say, cybersecurity issues that face Companies that don't have a thousand person or a hundred person or even, well, let's be honest, they don't always have ten people working in IT. So, Derek, this is your knack, your sweet spot. Welcome to the show.
4: Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it.
0: Well, and you know, it. you are certainly no stranger to, I mean, you have startups that you have grown and advised and mentored, and really, what sparked your interest in this current kind of, I'd say, speaking tour on breaking security down for small businesses?
4: Well, you know, I, I've been speaking, um, I would say, just finding my way along the, you know, the speaking experience trail for, for 20 years. I, you know, uh, as a, uh, even as a early stage, uh, or I guess early career entrepreneur, I still would, you know, I was receiving great mentorship. And so I was always looking to get back. And so I would go and talk to college students, you know, when I probably only two or three years of experience it was more than they had, but it was something I could share with them. And it's only over the years I've just you know, kept doing more and more of that, and then refining it, and then being hired for keynotes, and it became more sophisticated over time, and to, to where today, I do do, uh, you know, a fairly regular amount of speaking engagements, and I've spoken historically on a lot of different things, but the theme, the two main themes have been either entrepreneurship or cybersecurity, or in some cases, both. Those are the two things that the, that weave through the 20 years of, uh, of my experience, and so i um, What's emerged lately, and that I'm almost exclusively speaking on, is, as you said, kind of breaking cybersecurity down for what I call the SMB business owner market. I don't think in terms of the higher end of the middle market, which could be as much as a billion-dollar company, that's not really what I'm talking about, but 100, 200-person companies – with, uh, you know, I always say no offense to you, I'm going to talk in broad terms, but with low security maturity, there's so much they need to do, but I know it's, for them it's like where do you take the first bite of an elephant or whatever that old saying is? It's tough. And and so they're, I think they're paralyzed, they don't have the kind of budget, they don't have the right kind of people, they don't have the working vocabulary, they have high expertise, they're smart individuals obviously, but not in this area. And so uh, historically I have focused on the cybersecurity needs with my previous startups with large fortune 500 companies in government and i really didn't pay a lot of attention to that to this kind of part of the market the smb part of the market but i think what's emerging is they're getting hit now they they aren't safe uh there's no security by obscurity as we used to say um they are getting hit and either they are or someone they know intimately has been and it's now a very real thing versus yeah i might be vulnerable something could happen in the future so i think they as a class? I think there's a waking up, which is like, "Well, we, I do have to do something, even if I don't want to. I've got to."
0: Well, it, you hear things on the news that from, I mean, even Equifax, all the way down to WannaCry, and uh, what was the latest one? Bad Rabbit. I keep on saying Bad Robot, but no, that is a production company. But uh, Bad Rabbit, you hear these words, and it's to be a little intimidating because it's not just something on the news it's your customers your data your information and you're being held in some cases to the same standards as the larger companies so how do you even start the conversation
4: well you know that is that's the conundrum for the for the lower end of the you know the 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 middle and, and smaller end of the market um, where do I begin? You know, it's it's daunting, and I think it is. There are sorts of, there's all sorts of jargon, and uh, there's more and more content that one could consume. But one, that's not your core business, and two, even if you had the time, you know, how do you decipher it all, and how do you assign validity to? Just a a deluge of information um, and uh, on threats, on threat actors, on attack techniques, on protection strategies. You know, there's there's endless. You could spend days on any one of those things. So I think it's it is daunting. What I like to do, if I can get a group of business owners, you know, that are that want to focus on this, which is increasingly, you know, more often the case than it used to be, I try to do three buckets, which is give them a state of cybersecurity today. Um, That's pretty broad, and it has some level setting about just statistics, and you know what are the motivations? Who are the different kinds of threat actors? I think that is the place to start with just understanding the landscape, if you will. And then I do go into some high-profile attacks. That's a little bit because they're interesting, uh, and you know people do want to be uh, you know find something interesting in a in a talk. And so I I break down some high-profile or well-known attacks. But what I do try to do at the end of each of those is point out what it is that. We could, you know, that we could all learn from it and it could apply to almost anybody or could apply to my, you know, to my audience. And there's almost always something there. So this may be a huge company and it may look like something that, you know, doesn't pertain to you, except if you peel back a couple layers of the onion, there is something there for you. And then the third bucket, which is the most critical, which is what can I do about it? And I try to give them, uh, specific walk away value on things they can do, the lowest hanging fruit. And my whole mantra is based on, not trying to envision and get to a high state of security maturity, which is is too much and daunting and could be, frankly, not warranted. I'm not for you should do all these things and the sky is falling. I'm for you should mitigate risk. Here are the first few things you should look at, and you can get from low security maturity to medium far cheaper and easier than you think. Now, going from medium to high can get quite cost prohibitive, but don't try to get to high. It's a ladder. Climb the first three or four rungs and congratulate yourself that you're far better off than where you were when you were nearer the bottom.
0: Well, I always joke with even when working on projects uh, for the day job that pick the low hanging fruit. You know, it make it so that attackers or you know risks at least have to put forth a minimal effort to uh, take advantage of your systems or your data. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I, I mean, completely agree with with you. Um, we're doing – you don't have to look very far any day, and you can see where there are – you know, where we're falling down. And oftentimes it's very unsophisticated stuff. I mean, let's face it, if you peel back most of these onions, these, these uh, threat scenarios and attacks and hacks, <laughs> inside at the center is someone giving away their credentialed access. So in that scenario where you have most people willing to do it or falling prey to a variety of schemes – and giving away their own level of access and control, you can spend a lot of money on security and have it completely thwarted just in that one step. And um, and there's a lot of work to be done there. And there's some solutions that are you know that don't fully exist yet that that need to come into being. But in the meantime, there's cyber better cyber practices, better cyber hygiene is a term some people use. We got to adopt that. We at least raise the bar up from where it is to something harder. And it's to your point: make yourself tougher. I mean some person or if a state actor which is only one category of threat actor if they really target you you know you could say "Oh, i'm not going to be able to stop them am i and the answer is probably no however that's very unlikely in the threat landscape a sophisticated persistent threat is not going to be most likely it's going to be people who are probably not as much targeting you specifically but targeting lots of systems that's more common and that you can do a Far better job of protecting yourself against, uh, but but leaving your you know closing your front doors and your back doors and just practices sewing up uh, sewing up the you know the circle I guess.
0: Well, I I hated to see it uh, circulating the Twitterverse again, but the typical I mean, inevitably somebody has posted their taped their password for something to their computer monitor. I mean, how many times? Do you almost want to call, you know, raise your hand if you have your password taped to your monitor. Uh, Please stop. And I I know, like, ah, at least put it under your keyboard if you're going to do that. Yeah. yeah. Make someone have to look. Well, so wh- what is your icebreaker for getting a Folks' attention, uh, or what's your favorite sort of? All right, here's the state of security. Here's the fact that is going to shock you uh, back to reality.
4: Well, when I have something I love to do, I can't always arrange it, and I can't do it usually. You know, I can't do it at a big conference, and you'll you'll see why it's self kind of self explanatory. But when when whoever is engaging me is willing to uh, to play ball, what I like to do is arrange to fish. Uh, you know, do a fish test against the participants—the CEOs, the business owners, and senior executives that are going to be in my in my audience—and I try to do it uh, a couple of days before. And um, right now, I'm running about 47 to 55 percent uh, of that group of individuals—again, senior and uh, managers and owners—are falling prey to um, the phishing test that I run. And it's—I'm not running a sophisticated one. I'm not running a very Targeted spearfishing or whaling—I I love that term—where uh, you're targeting somebody specifically, <laughs> and you're you're really you know you've engineered it. Hey, I saw you at the conference in uh, in London, and here's my thesis. You know, it's not not that sort of thing. Um, it's a pretty it's a pretty low hanging fruit uh, spearfishing email, and I'm still getting 47 to 55 percent of these senior individuals, usually owners and CEOs, that are falling prey to it. That right there turns. That's about halfway through. My typical presentation, and it just changes the demeanor. If they weren't already leaning forward, that everybody does after that, because well, oftentimes there's kind of a nervous twitter around the room. Um, I guess I can't use that term anymore that way. But there's, uh, I know they know, you know. And, and the last time uh, that I did it, I basically said, I know you guys had a cocktail hour uh, <laughs> last night, and you, the words got out, you know, because you were asking about that email of the person who sent it, which is one of the, somebody that you all knew. And people ask that; they say, well, it came from somebody that I knew. As a sort of like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, you know, why wouldn't I have opened it? I'm like, well, that's the point. They, we simulated that their account was compromised, and then the person is reading the emails. They know you're coming to this today. That's why they sent you that link and asked you to look at this document before the meeting today. It's, it's perfect. It's textbook.
0: Well, and do you do you at least put in a couple of typos or something that because not that threat actors actually do that. I mean, they want to make it as realistic as possible, but do you add in some level of the absurd just in case? yeah, somebody spots yeah, it? yeah, I
4: do, Liz. I call them tells, uh, you know, kind of taking a term from from uh, Blackjack or from you know from uh, uh, poker. Um, and so what I do is I walk them through the towels. Uh, it's a build in, the, in my slides. I say, here's the email. You probably recognize it. Let's go through. And then I, uh, every time I click, another arrow points to three or four things. Uh, the last one's the clincher that should have, uh, should have you know made them want to run away from that particular, not engage that email. Um, and so that's exactly what I do. And that's the educational part. It'd be one thing to just say, oh, you fell prey to it. I try to say, "Here are the tells. These are the things you and your team have to start looking for. We have to be more skeptical." Period.
0: Well, and so before we go to break, what is the fastest anyone has from the time you sent out the email to the first victim? How long? How long did it take you to get that whale on the hook?
4: Oh, that doesn't. Sometimes that's you know within the first you know five minutes.
0: Ah, geez. (laughs) Well, and I was going to say that's when everyone in the room kind of just oh sigh well you'll have to you'll have to give us a little bit more on that and some of your other you know tips and expert advice when we get back from this commercial break you're listening to buzz off with lawyer Liz on America's web radio
1: bogside publishing for over 38 years this family-owned New Hampshire business has manufactured the most durable rain resistant, and most affordable made-in-the-USA field books for the land surveying and engineering industry. And Bogside Publishing is still doing it today. Demand Bogside Field Books from your supplier or go to BogsidePublishing.com for a list of exclusive Bogside dealers.
3: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
0: Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz chatting today with Derek Harp on and before the break Derek was uh, sharing with us how he likes to in introducing to small business owners the concept of making security manageable and some of the basics that he'll kind of break the ice with a his own spear fishing or you know Wailing email, and unfortunately, at about a 50%, as, I'd say, success rate, you said even within the first few minutes of sending out the email. Derek, that doesn't bode well.
4: Uh, it's pretty sobering. <laughs> it gets people's attention, and I like it as a lightning rod um, just to say this is. Unfortunately, you know, I'm an optimist and I, I'm a, a very open. Person by nature, but I think the the unfortunate message that I think I have to share, and I think we, we all have to start embracing, is we have to become more skeptical, and we just can't receive things um, via the you know the, the internet and accept and find it acceptable, even even stuff that may look quite legitimate. Um, I find my uh, my skepticism level is getting higher every day, and there's some things I don't do that I used to do. And that's probably gonna increase and I think that's where we are. We're gonna it's 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 oxymoronic, I guess, you know, all this openness, the whole nature of how the system was designed was for openness and it works really, really well, but now we need to not you know, not be as open. So I you know, I'm an adopter of technologies. I I I'm a believer in the great benefit and efficiencies and uh the the reasons why we're adopting you know now even more technology than ever if you look at the internet of things we're adopting five million new devices globally a day that are communicating for the first time i just think of these you know five million devices waking up and sending out their their beacons you know their 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 communication packets to another device or a group of devices for the first time five million a day for the first time so we're why are we adopting all those? Well, there's exciting stuff we can do with them. So I, I'm i not a Luddite. I get all that. And I adopt some of those things, but I am very thoughtful about what I adopt and what I don't. <laughs> and I don't okay, think. So what,
0: I was going to say, what are some of the devices that you have not permitted, like somebody, you know, in your own house, either someone gave it to you as a gift or, you know, it, do you say, nope, nope, got to put the brakes on? The, the line is here. We are not getting what
4: uh you know i don't have exterior locks I, I you know i have some home automation i don't have exterior locks set up on that i don't have critical systems i have fun things um some lighting and and you know a variety of things that uh, that i that my family enjoys having you know automation connected to but but we don't have the front door you know you're not going to open the front door um with uh, you know, with your with your drive-by, um,
0: <laughs> I was I, saying, and uh, so so tell us, what are the passwords? What networks are you running those on?
4: <laughs> <laughs> and what are my most critical vulnerabilities? Let me list them. No, uh, but I think I think we do. You know, that that's where I draw the line on some physical some physical systems. You know, that that'd be a category of saying, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to understand why I'm not at this point adopting. You know, that. And there would be security. I'm somewhere in the spectrum. There would be people further along, security, really deep security thinkers, who would say, I'm not going to do any of that. And I get that. I get their choice. I don't want to live that way. So I want to pick a medium or moderate level of security positioning or posture because I want some of those capabilities. And that's what we have to be able to do is we have to be able to know what decisions we're making. And I think most people are making them blindly. Cameras all over the house on. I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm going to be aware of exactly where there are lenses that could be turned on in my home. You know, that's not something that people should just be, you know, doing all over the place. It's already been proven that those things can be used um, for a variety of reasons. Some of them aren't super nefarious, but even marketing reasons, you don't want that going on probably. Certainly you don't want it going on if you don't know it.
0: Well, and especially how do you balance that, the understanding of, okay, yes, it, it poses vulnerabilities, but at the same time, I have a business that has cash registers or that I have, like, I need to have eyes on my inventory, but either because of the nature of the inventory or just in general, I have a big warehouse, I need to be able to have, you know, no blind spots, what are some of the things you could tell those business owners or those homeowners that, okay, you need to have uh, you know, the convenience factor or for other reasons you have those, what are some things they can do or you tell them to protect those systems?
4: Well, you know, that, th- there's a number of threads there to to pull. You know, I like talking about home automation. Sometimes I'm kind of into some aspects of it some of that is just in the novel area whereas a business owner i think the real adoption curve of these devices that we're seeing is most of it is not convenience it's efficiency it's going to be effect bottom line i'm going to spend x dollars today and i'm going to have x plus y dollars in better profits or savings or insights which would you know potentially lead to uh, more, you know more more profits or more sales or more revenue so i think there's real business drivers which is why the adoption curves both in the commercial sector uh, as well as the, the consumer sector, are really, really high. Consumer sector's got a lot, a lot more novelty in it, but there's also real time-saving stuff there, too. Um, in home automation, there could be some real you know um, uh, utility savings and things like that. I think they're going to see more and more in those areas. But the businesses are adopting it, and that's not just the purview of the SMB or the small market, uh, end of the market it's all the way up um i started a company uh, i'm one of the co-founders of a company that uh we moved to to atlanta georgia which is how i ended up here um we moved it from silicon valley called next defense and next defense is focused on the control systems the the the, the networks you would find in companies like utilities gas and oil companies pipelines manufacturing concerns they're adopting for the same reason that the the small or medium-sized business owner would they 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 want to be able to do more things with less people. They want to be able to control this process from way over here. They don't want to have to send this person in this location by car or by you know by transport all the way out to that location to just fix a simple thing or turn something on or off or or, or get some sort of information and data and bring it back. So there's real drivers all through the business segment, I think, um, and everybody's struggling with it. We've adopted some of these technologies, and there are unintended consequences that are now mounting and i don't think we're we're somewhere in a curve it's going to continue to be more adoption and and more issues and there's issues that haven't even arisen yet um so i think it's real business drivers are driving it so when you get to what do you do about it um i think one you're very pragmatic about what you choose to do but you say you know what i'm going to do this inventory management system or rfid system or certain kind of credit card or financial tracking you know it's here are the business benefits i really want to do this then you have to start looking at things you know one example would be don't have what's called a flat network. And and this is really security practitioners uh, implement these, you know, anyone with real, you know, any kind of uh, reasonable savvy can implement this, have network segments. Meaning if I get into one part of your network or if a threat actor gets into one part of your network, why are they therefore in all aspects of your network? That would be a flat network. Everything is connected to everything. If you're in, you're into everything. A network segmentation would be, you know what? if something does get compromised, at least it is less likely, it'll be harder for them to pivot from this part to this part to that part to essentially get to everything. And you look at where your backups are and your backup strategy. Uh, crypto ransomware is the number one reason to do this. Um, you have to do other things as well, but don't have everything all connected and don't have your backups essentially, uh, old school backups uh, connected directly to the computer on your desk. I mean, one, that doesn't protect you from physical <laughs> damage like the building burning down. And two, if they can encrypt your the computer and it's directly connected to the backup you're going to find your backups are going to be encrypted as well so segment things i mean that's a that's a Ooh, little and i'll and
0: you you bring up an excellent point with that as well because even in not even threat actors but in the aftermath of say a natural disaster there has been a flood in your area if everything was connected to the one network the one computer you don't have those backups stored somewhere else as you mentioned what happens when the building has flooded and the electronics are fried or you know the building no longer exists because a tornado took it out
4: you're on it yeah good for you you've got a backup it went it went the same place the primary data went.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so once you've gotten folks comfortable with the concept of segmentation, where do they go from there?
4: So segmentation and offline backups are kind of two different things. Segmentation would be, you could say offline is another segment. I don't know that that's the leap that I would make. Segmentation is within your own network. Some of these things, there might be a firewall or some disconnect between different networks. Based on who needs to have access to the different sections, and then offline backup—that's just you know—that's using a credible third-party company that some of your data is going elsewhere and is not logically connected to your to your you know your physical and primary location um, uh, network. Um, so I think I think there's I have ten kind of top recommendations that I end up making, um, and and that's really how I usually end. Um, the talks that i give in the in the presentations and keynotes is here are the here are the 10 things be be conversant on these get some at least basic understanding about each of these areas you are not none of you are probably going to do this yourself certainly most most of you won't do it yourself most of you won't have somebody that works for you full time do any of this but you and or key team members need to be able to talk about it with a credible third party and that does take some education so that when you're talking about uh, incident response plans, you know, what are you going to do? And that's an example of one. That's a policy. That's paperwork, uh, essentially. A lot of it is. Um, uh, what are you going to do when you've detected, someone in the company has detected that you're having an issue? What is the business continuity or incident recovery plan? If you don't have that, there's a lot of, of, of mistakes made right at that critical time from we've detected something and now we're running around with our head off because there is no plan. you got to do the plan Back in time when there was no fire, make the plan and you have it behind glass. Everybody knows where it is. You can break it open and you can, re, you know, you can a- take action. And people, you know, rehearsals are ideal to whatever degree people can can work that into their routine. At least some familiarity on different people's parts of how that plan works and whether they've got a role in it. Because well,
0: that- how do you go about even developing that plan? Are there a, do you vet out? Are there resources? Is that a good time to you know, one of the first times bringing the experts to say, help us create a plan.
4: For sure. Yeah, there are um, a variety of companies from boutique all the way up to uh, up to uh, the, you know, the, um, the big four that have practices. And, of course, those aren't all, all appropriate, uh, uh, you know, vendors for, for every kind of end user. But there are appropriate vendors for every kind of end user out there. Um, I get a lot of those calls, and I refer people I have for years to various parties um, and um, that's usually just trying to match make the right person, you know, with, uh, with, the, with the right service. But, yes, people, people can get, and it doesn't have to be, again, it can be appropriate for the size and, and the, um, the, the security posture that a particular company needs, and that leads to the other one, which is having an assessment, which is oftentimes going to be the same exact kind of service provider. That's what do we have? Not only not what do we have from a security perspective, What are we trying to protect? Because one company, you put three companies in a row, and let's say they all have fifty employees. You say, "Oh, so you must be similar." Or you all have fifty desktops, you know, fifty and you know, um, and uh, and, and endpoints to the network. Obviously, this is just random, but those are not necessarily fifty equal companies. What if one of them has credit card information or other PII, personally identified information, and the other company doesn't have any of that? So it's not about the number of employees or the number of end uh, end endpoints. Those You know, those matter. Those are factors in it. But what are you trying to protect? And then what do we have in place? So an assessment is really the place to begin on on any of this stuff.
0: Well, okay. And so when we come back, we're going to have to delve into some of the next steps. We've defined the universe. We know what's out there. And then what happens next? But you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio.
2: Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. You can rest assured, knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org. Or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today.
3: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Bogside
1: Publishing. For over 38 years, this family-owned New Hampshire business has manufactured the most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable made-in-the-USA field books for the land surveying and engineering industry. And Bogside Publishing is still doing it today. Demand Bogside Field Books from your supplier or go to BogsidePublishing.com
3: for a list of exclusive Bogside dealers. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
0: And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. And again, catch us each Wednesday from 2 to 3 Eastern on america'swebradio.com or find the lawyer liz podcast available on iTunes, Google play, stitcher, your favorite podcast streaming service. And talking today with Derek Harp and getting some insights gained from for mainly for small business owners uh, looking at security from someone who has been in the industry from the big guys all the way down for about the last 20 years you've been starting and growing businesses so Derek thank you again for your time and insights today
4: yeah, my pleasure glad to be here
0: so we were teasing before the break we've gone in as a small business you've done your assessment you started developing your incident response plan the you know keep behind glass, break in the case of emergency. You've segmented out your network so it's not flat. You don't have everything uh, accessible from one desktop on the CEO, president, slash, gopher's desk. You have your off-site backups. So what's next?
4: Well, uh, yeah, what's next? Loaded question. So, um, you know, I think, there's there's a whole laundry list of things, and it's really it's really about having a credible a credible third party help you prioritize these things. And this gets back to the very for me very core premise. As a small business owner, I know uh, I've been one for 20 years. I know that uh, my my peers and the people I'm talking to, and, and, and I think by the way, let's let's caveat small. I mean, I think some of these companies that I'm talking to are. You know, small is a very relative thing. Some have hundreds of employees and are very, very successful, and some of them have been, you know, around for, for twenty years. I think it's, I, I, you know, it's a low security maturity, it, so it's it could be a five hundred person company that's just uh, not paid attention to it, not had the time, expertise, uh, or interest uh, or impetus in the past to, to focus on it. So I think small sometimes conjures up for people um, four person companies, ten person companies. Um, although they're they're obviously as a class they're vulnerable. Um, we're we're really finding that companies with hundreds of employees are no less vulnerable, on average. Um, Certainly some who have credit card information and who have paid attention and know that they're they're under some regulations, some of those companies are more sophisticated. But by and large, a couple hundred employees is not not um, any any kind of um, uh, indicator of security maturity. Um, But People may not think of those companies as small. So, I think You know, one has to ask oneself, if one's a business owner, like, where is my security maturity, um, regardless of my size? And, you know, what have I been investing in? And what is our knowledge as a management team in this area? And if it's low.
0: Well, also, what what is the industry? What information are you keeping? I mean, you're processing. I think of, uh, you know, my sister has a company or has several locations for gymnastics and they uh, plug, of course, for her, uh, the peach pit in Atlanta, but they're constantly processing information and, uh, you know, payments to children's information. And, you know, one of the first things, the recommendations was get an expert to come in and you, you, you're going to fall under several, different federal regulations not to mention states so identifying those how often when you're talking to these business owners perhaps do they not realize all of their like you know threat sectors
4: i think that's a a, you know it's a it's an awareness spectrum and it's getting people are getting more aware um if you you know the years i've been talking to different groups um, I, I think I may have said earlier I, I typically had not focused in the past on this 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 end of the market the, the the small end of the market and focused more on the large end because they were earlier they were more mature as a group but now you find that it's trickling all the way down and smaller and smaller and smaller entities are saying oh I can't I can't hide because I think that's what people felt in the past uh, security through obscurity was a term that I you know people threw around which was I'm so small. No one's going to see me or find me. And there might have been some validity. That was never fully, you know, fully a protection strategy, really. But there's some some truth to it that it was less likely. But now, you know, I think that's gone. That's over. And people are getting targeted. Um, And even if they're not targeted, they're being grabbed up in widespread campaigns. So I might not know that it's your company or your company that I'm specifically targeting. But I'm targeting You know, whoever, wherever I can find the ends at, and then I'll go and see. To your point, what assets are there? Oh, look at this—a treasure trove of X amount of information. And I don't think people are really thinking about. And this is a dawning, I think. And I talk about it very early in my um, my core presentation. Like, what kind of information are we talking about here? People, credit card, people, information, everybody gets. And like, oh yeah, but what about system information, designs, drawings, documents, intellectual property? Um, uh, you know, emails, everything that's in the emails. Um, you know, certainly passwords, and then passwords that could be used elsewhere. And I bring it up because I know there's somebody in the crowd it pertains to. I, I would not want to guess the statistics, but I say some of you probably have black, black mailable information. I hope that's not the case, but you probably have photos or documents that you'd not like to have out there, and you've got them more accessible than you might imagine, and that sort of stuff. They don't care what size you are. If they can find that sort of thing and you have a, a successful small business, you're perfect for them. They would be glad to make a financial arrangement with you. Um, it doesn't need to be sophisticated, and it doesn't need to be priced. They'll they'll appropriately price. Ransomware has proven that. They'll appropriately price in a range where you're like, well, I'm going to pay that. Um, I'm going to consider paying that because it's far cheaper than the consequences i'm facing so they're not going to ask for a million dollars they're going to ask for an appropriate level of pricing for most of these threats
0: Well, I was gonna say but, but should business owners be insulted if they're offered bargain basement prices for their rent for their uh blackmail Should i mean I, i'm guessing your uh advice is not to then try to argue with your blackmailers
4: uh yeah i mean that gets into a very interesting area um and i I am constantly listening to what some folks in law enforcement that I know, you know, what what do we do about this? You know, most crypto ransomware, not most, many are being paid. The the ransoms for, for um, all my data is locked up. You know, the blackmail thing is a little bit kind of in the sexy category. It probably doesn't apply to most people. But, but having your data locked up, that's happening. Every crowd, every single engagement I do, I ask who's been hit by crypto ransomware, and hands are now going up. Every single time. So it's no longer this esoteric or exotic thing that you read about that somebody got hacked. I don't
0: know. I mean, when major international law firms that have, I mean, just even uh, some of these smaller companies that I know are saying, we couldn't reach our lawyer, and then we realize it's because they were with XYZ firm and that firm was undergoing a massive attack. And it just never occurred to them that the U.S.-based office was being impacted by something that was going on in perhaps their London office. So, yeah, it, it, it hits everywhere. And all kidding aside, even then with the security cameras, if you're running security cameras or other IoT-enabled you know, enabled devices, you may have unwittingly been part of a botnet.
4: Well, you bring up a very great point there, which is okay, you your information, the kinds of things housed within your network may be interesting and valuable to a third party, but also just your infrastructure could be useful to attack someone else. And I think we're gonna see you know, this is an interesting question to throw back at you, I think we're gonna see interesting liability um, around down the chain, I've been attacked, who who along the way was wide open and you know, essentially assisted this attack and by not having any sort of standard of due care on your own system security, I'm, I'd am i be shocked in the kind of litigious society we live in that there won't be some suits, if there aren't already, I'm just not aware of them, where somebody says, look, I'm, I can't go after the threat actor. They're in some foreign location, and I hope law enforcement gets them, but that's unlikely. Although there are some extraditions, some things are happening in that area, but let's say statistically unlikely. But I could go after you, and you were involved in this thing, unwitting as you might be. You were involved in it. The last attack came from you.
0: Well, exactly. Uh, it's, it's only a matter of time because what I fear is going to have happen is, one, everyone should, if you don't, look into ways to mitigate the risks, such as through insurance or something. But ultimately, someone's going to have to pay. If, there, if damages are being assessed, either through state law or lawsuits and insurers are left on the hook, they're going to get their money. And between insurers and lawyers, you know, it's a well worn joke that we ruin everything. <laughs> that we're the cause of you know, all this over regulation because somebody somewhere, did something, got sued, had to pay, and we destroyed it. So, no, you're absolutely right. It's going to be interesting. It's what was your duty? Should you have segmented, you know, you have your security cameras. Do you need to have them on a different system than perhaps you keep your financial records for the company or your patient records or your customer records? How do you break that out and if you didn't, was that the industry standard to do so?
4: Yeah, that's you hit it on the last one. What what is is there a standard in your industry? Um, is there an emerging standard in your industry? Because you still might not want to be caught by saying, "Well, there isn't." I'm not under any regulation. I, there's very few of those, so let's put that aside. If you're not under regulation, though, some are. Uh, then oh, standards. You know, I don't have to adopt those. No, but do you want if you if you're in a hot spot either with a third party that's been attacked and you were part of it, the example we used, or just with your shareholders or whatever, you know, or, or your customers, do you want to say is that a defense you want to say, which is, well, we don't we don't have to comply with anything, so we so we have it. Instead, I think I would want to say, you know what, we, we can't guarantee cyber, nobody can, cybersecurity or you know, high level of security, nobody can get through this. That's a silly thing to ever say. We can say we've done these things, and these are all very good, well-known best practices. Um, I'm sorry that X, Y, or Z has happened and we're working very you know, diligently to fix it. However, we you know, we have been investing in this, time and money. And, and again, I don't think it has to be a fortune for the smaller companies because that's often a big stopping point. They're like, well, I, I can't spend that much money. Why would I even be in business? You do need to be appropriate, but, but doing nothing is not acceptable anymore. But don't get worried about having to do a whole mountain of stuff that you can't afford time or money or resources to do. Do these do some low-hanging fruit things. Some of the things we've been talking about have an understanding, at least, of where you where your position is, and then make some make some choices. And some of them will be tough. You won't do everything that you you might do. I know that's the case. I've been in that position. But you can do. Typically, most people can do more than they are doing. And you know, it's not free. And you know what? I think the one thing Liz, that I, I often weave into my conversation is like people say, "Oh, this is money I don't want to spend." I'm like, "You've been reaping the rewards. There was a hidden cost." To all this adoption of technology we've done, and we've been doing it now for a long enough time, and we've been all salivating about the savings. There wasn't as much savings as we thought. Now we're going to pay some portion of the savings we've had for decades. There was a cost there. We just weren't paying.
0: well, absolutely. So, Derek, thank you again for joining us today on the Buzz Off Show and sharing your insights. Where can people find out some more information?
4: Derek uh, DerekHarp.com. D E R E K H A R P.com. Um, feel free to reach out.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And there, folks can find a few more of your tips and insights and also upcoming presentations. But Thank you, Derek. Thank you, America's Web Radio. Thanks to everyone for listening. I'm Lawyer Liz. Catch us next time on com.
3: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.